to Music, Hope, Word, and Prayer, a podcast of rich music, hopeful prayer, and inspiring meditations with East Brentwood Presbyterian Church, a community church in the greater metropolitan area of Nashville, Tennessee. We are a faith community made up of a loving, welcoming family of believers in honest conversation with God. We seek to emulate the ministry of Jesus through compassionate service, with stimulating and relevant exploration of God's Word, and by sharing that Word and God's many blessings with our neighbors in Middle Tennessee and around the world. Hello, everybody. I've been on vacation, and it's good to get back. And uh, hey, Nate, I hope you're doing well. Um, Hey, and everybody who's listening, um, I shouldn't start off with a confession, but let me go ahead and start with a confession. It's not a juicy one. It's just while I was on vacation uh, that I came to the realization that I tend in my life uh, to overcomplicate things. And now some of you who are listening, who know me well, you're probably saying you're only now, just now coming to that realization. I know that at my age, we we start to think about um, simplifying, and it tends to focus upon uh, culling stuff and get rid of you know, closets that are full of junk from our um, from our children's childhood. But hey, as of late, I've been thinking about when it comes to church and matters of faith, um, it is so easy to make things more complex, but it's not necessary. So how I might simplify. Hey, Nate, can you relate to this at all? Well, sometimes I actually have the opposite problem. I tend to undercomplicate things, which in turn makes things more complicated, if that makes sense. So, for instance, there's been plenty of times I've been asked to do a concert here at the church, and the question comes up, Nate, what do you need in terms of help and support for this? And my general answer is nothing. I'm going to hire some musicians, turn on the lights, unlock the doors, and away we'll go. But, which is, in a perfect world... That's exactly how it would go, but I'm reminded that we need to market it and decorate the sanctuary and have someone make cookies, and so I tend to undersimplify, and that makes it more complicated for other people. Oh, that's Nate's making his confession there. Yes. But yeah, from your point of view, just simply let you get behind the keyboard where you really excel, and and you are in your in your sweet spot. Um, so hey, speaking of sweet spot, we're here uh, recording this in Nashville, and it's known as Music City. Uh, and it was a late great songwriter, uh, Harlan Howard, who said, quote, country music ain't nothing but three chords and the truth. Uh, as a composer, Nate, and, and a musician, what, what's your take on this sort of simplicity, complex, complexity juxtaposition? Yeah, it's a great question. For music itself, the simplicity or complexity of music really varies a lot based on what style of music we're doing and what the music is trying to achieve. I've written both very simple music and very complex music, and neither is greater than the other. Complex music doesn't necessarily make it good, and simple music doesn't necessarily make it bad. Well, hey, cue up um, Aaron Copeland's Appalachian Spring, that big old symphonic piece that really picks up the simple tune from the Shaker song. Yeah, Tis a Gift to be Simple. That comes to my mind as I hear you talk. Yeah, it's a very simple melody, but it's a beautiful melody and a very touching melody. And so um, Aaron Copeland took that melody, and as others have done with other folk songs, and just sort of built upon it and made something more complex um, because of the beauty of that simple melody. So here's where I'm going with it. Uh, um, That faith doesn't have to become more complex. Um, How in a matter of faith, especially a faith that 
can form how we live and make a difference in the world. That's what I'm talking about. How can we distill down what is core and what is simple? And I'm thinking particularly, what can we distill and make core with regard to hospitality and welcoming? I think there's something to be said of, of, about um, amid all the noise and churn around us, of the need to kind of keep things sort of simple, especially when it comes like the sayings and teachings of Jesus, especially around welcoming and hospitality. There's a passage that we've been looking at. It's in Matthew 10, 40-42. The words of Jesus where he is sending out his disciples. And in the setup here, let me just go ahead and share these words. Whoever welcomes you, he says, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. And whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. So distilling it all down, what do the teachings of Jesus have to say to us when it comes to our practice of hospitality? And now that's not to say the teachings of Jesus are simplistic. You can spend a lifetime trying to understand his parables. In today's episode, I want to look at these words about hospitality. And as I think about this, I want to distill it down to these words. Come sit beside me. I'll get to that in our talk today. Hey, Nate, um, what do you got in, uh, uh, in terms of music? What music comes to mind that powerfully conveys this theme of hospitality? I'm going to bring in... Uh... I'm going to sit at the welcome table. It's a simple song of welcoming and hospitality that talks about everyone being invited. Some of the lyrics are, I'm going to sit at the welcome table. And then with this song, they repeat that for the whole uh, verse. It's a very simple song. I'm going to feast on milk and honey. I'm going to tell God how you treat me. <laughs> that's a, you see different verses uh, in the yeah. spirituals that sometimes you, uh, you haven't seen before. So that's a new one for me. I hadn't seen that one until I looked it up. And then all God's children going to sit together. Mm. All right. All God's children going to sit together. That, that really is fitting for where I'm, I'm going with these sort of dis- distillation of hospitality and welcome. Uh, I'll be back with uh, uh, about a 15-minute reflection. As always, thank you for listening and sharing, and we welcome your comments. Now, uh, let's hear, I'm going to sit at the welcome table.
The words of Jesus, Matthew 10, 40 through 42, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, and whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. As I said in the opening, there is something to be said about amid all the noise and churn around us to distill things down to the essence which is not the same as simplistic. As a pastor in the Presbyterian Church who has gone through the credentialing process of seminary and a post-secondary degree, it is easy to prioritize that brains are what's required for a deeper faith or to have faith at all. And pretty soon we forget what is core, especially what are the core principles about how our faith in God makes a difference particularly when it comes to the sayings and teachings of Jesus. And what I'm thinking about today are the words of Jesus when it comes to welcoming and hospitality. The saying of Jesus in Matthew 10 falls in the middle of Jesus' short ministry and in the thick of his work with the disciples. And not everything had been clear sailing. Jesus' words would create division. And there was discouragement by Jesus and by the disciples That's where these words fall. And Jesus' immediate response to division and discouragement, as you look at Matthew 10 and 11, is to offer thanksgiving that the gospel message is not something to be grasped by knowledge or wisdom or sophisticated reasoning. Faith, after all, I think it was uh, Martin Luther who put it, is ultimately a gift of the Holy Spirit and cannot be conjured by our own strength or power. Indeed, Jesus' teachings are hidden from the intelligence and revealed to the young and inexperienced, the simple and pure-hearted Luther would say. Matthew 40, 10, 42, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, and this could be new or vulnerable followers of Christ or children, in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. So hospitality, let's talk about it. It's a reciprocal practice involving both giving and receiving. It involves being the one who welcomes and being the one who is welcomed. I frequently reference Diana Butler's Bass's words as I follow her substack. And in a recent post, she writes, it is this circle of mutual welcomes, setting tables of water and bread, providing safety and shelter that is the birthing place of the commonwealth of God, end quote. Now, when Christians think of Jesus and welcoming and hospitality, we usually think of where he says in Matthew 25, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Hearing it, we tend to position ourselves as the host in the exchange, the one who opens wide the door. Our our motivation, perhaps it's to be like Christ, or perhaps too, if honest, being the host keeps us in the seat of control. For we get to be the one who welcomes. We call the shots. But the words of Jesus, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, places us in the story differently. We are the stranger, the potential guest, not the host. And that makes this teaching of Jesus a bit harder to take. We might enjoy welcoming, but perhaps feel awkward being welcomed. About being welcomed, uh, Marjorie Thompson, uh, she recently retired uh, 
as a minister uh, in the Presbyterian of Middle Tennessee. Um, some years back, she wrote a book about uh, Soul Feast is the name of it, an imitation to the Christian spiritual life. And she shares an experience, that awkward experience of being welcomed. Uh, she tells the story of back when her college graduation trip uh, uh, happened, and she went with her mother, and they toured Scotland. And on the day that they toured the Highlands, they arrived at their destination town rather late in the evening. And the bed and breakfast in which they had planned to stay was full. So darkness had fallen and it was raining and they were simply giving, given the name of a boarding house to try. And so the cab dropped them off in front of the darkened house with no lights on and the cabbie left. They proceeded to knock on the door. And after a while, a surprised couple answered. They asked if they had room, and when the couple answered that someone was already in the room, Marjorie Thompson said their faces must have reflected their washed-out spirits. So the couple told them to wait outside the door, and Marjorie and her mother heard muffled voices from the other side, and the door opened, and the woman told them to come in. And then she showed them to a lovely room with a warm bed where they Mother and daughter sank exhausted. Well, the next morning came and they were served a scrumptious Scottish breakfast of eggs and sausage, toast and jam, and wonderful Scottish tea. And it wasn't until they were gathering their luggage that they realized that the couple had slept on the sofa in the living room and had given the travelers their own room. Awkward. While we may be blessed enough to extend hospitality sooner or later, all of us, every one of us, shows up at a door unexpectedly and unsure of who might be on the other side. Car trouble? Misfortune? We need to be welcomed as we are, without qualification, accepted and cared for. Again, Matthew 10.40, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. It underscores both the reciprocity of hospitality and the necessity of welcoming strangers. About welcoming, Diana Butler Bass's Substack post highlights a quote from Dorothy Day that I like. Where Dorothy Day writes, quote, a custom existed among the first generations of Christians when faith was a Bright fire that warmed more than those who kept it burning. In every house, a room was kept ready for any stranger who might ask for shelter. It was even called the stranger's room. Not because these people thought they could trace something of someone they loved in the stranger who used it. Not because the man or woman to whom they gave shelter reminded them of Christ. But because plain and simple and stupendous fact he or she, Dorothy Day writes, was Christ, end quote. So, distill it down, hospitality. We are welcomed, and we welcome. And welcoming the stranger arises from our mutual humanity and our shared vulnerability. One way we are trying to practice this at East Brentwood Presbyterian Churches this coming August 31st, where we're going to be partnering with community organizations for a late afternoon, evening, to bring awareness to the issue people 
struggle with talking about, which is substance misuse and other mental health-related issues impacting individuals and families. We are hosting Friends and Strangers on August 31st, which is International Overdose Awareness Day, to live into a vision of to ending overdose, which is an, a national public health crisis affecting every zip code. As we try to destigmatize ones who died from an overdose and recognize the tremendous grief that families and friends face who are left behind. And we're using our grounds to provide an opportunity for public mourning without fear of being guilted or shamed, to provide community members with information about the issue of fatal and non-fatal overdose. And we are going to have in our sanctuary where we Nate plays music and I pray prayers, a Nuloxin training to help people be trained in how to administer Nuloxin. And we're going to send the message to those struggling with substance misuse disorder that they are valued and generally to inform people about the risk of overdose. And again, that's August 31st. And I hope if you're listening, you'll participate and volunteer and come and learn as we provide a witness of hospitality. Again, you can find out more on ebpctn.org website. So we're recording this uh, podcast episode on the heels of the 4th of July, where we sing patriotic songs of welcome and the beauty of our varied land and its people. But in reality, our nation is, is struggling with how to move toward a society of larger hospitality. Um, and we, we've seen it in, in recent rulings, rulings of the Supreme Court this week, with their decisions against affirmative action and LGBTQ rights, uh, and circumscribe the spheres in which some people can participate and benefit from the rights of citizenship and access. In light of these words from Jesus, it raises the question, how do we welcome strangers? who are unwelcome in other settings. The practice of hospitality, it it seems like it falls back to those who envision a truly accepting society, which I would like for us as our church to be. A community where all are welcomed and all are fed, a place of reciprocal generosity, humbled, again, underscore, humbled by the tender and vulnerable knowledge that at any moment, we might be either host or guest. I, I really, again, let me go back to Diana Butler Bass, who I really like how she puts it. When the law fails to welcome and include, the practice of hospitality falls back to those who envision a truly, a truly accepting society, a community where all are welcomed and all are fed, a place of reciprocal generosity, humbled by the tender knowledge that at any moment we might either be host or guest. And she says the New Testament is clear. When Caesar's law rules against hospitality to strangers, God's people inveigh against such laws by welcoming everybody, by respecting the dignity of every person. And that if you turn people away, as Dorothy Day would say, you're turning Jesus Christ himself away. It was Patrick Henry, uh, not the dead famous patriot who in 1775 said, give me liberty or give me death. Not that one, but a a living Christian writer who writes, hospitality invites to prayer before it checks credentials. 
It welcomes to the table before administering the entrance exam. Close quote. And I think about what it means in terms of hospitality by being a member of a church. Because it's not the same as being a member of a club. There's no entrance requirement. There's no set fee. Unlike other organizations, we don't limit ourselves to those who are like us. In fact, we celebrate our differences and grow into them. And that's the reason why in the Presbyterian Church USA, we have the open communion. Everyone is welcome at our table, which, which is why Nate's song that he's playing is was so fitting. Here's where we are. We're trying to distill down what's core and about hospitality. It's about more than kindness. It's about more than making nice. It's actually even becoming a prophetic practice. Jesus said it, whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. So I said I have become more interested in simplifying rather than adding complexity. So it's time to wrap it up. I think it distills down to this. One, you have a place at the table when it comes to Jesus's table. You are invited. You are a guest. Two, who else is invited? (laughs) Sorry, folks. Everyone. Which is actually not something to be sorry about. That's great news. Jesus said, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. Three, how hospitable are we to be? Very. It's core. It's not just welcoming or being nice. It's sharing who we are at the same time, opening ourselves for others to share themselves with us. Every heart and table is to be open. It might just be our greatest witness and activism. Nothing less than the extravagant welcome of God. So here's the simple thought on welcoming and hospitality. Maybe it all boils down to this mantra. Come, sit beside me. It is what Jesus says to you. It is what Jesus invites you to do with others. Think about and pray about that in your life. What would my life be like? What would my faith be like? If I said and was guided by these words, come, sit beside me. Today's prayer is an adaptation of a very important affirmation of faith called the brief statement of faith in our denomination, which seems to be fitting for today's theme. So let me recast it as a prayer. O God, whom Jesus called Abba, Father, we trust in you. The sovereign love, you, O God, created the world good and makes everyone equally in God's image, male and female, of every race and people, to live as one community. We acknowledge that we rebel against you, O God. We hide from our Creator. Ignoring your commandments, we violate the image of God in others and ourselves, accept lies as truth, exploit neighbor and nature, and threaten death to the planet entrusted to your care. While we deserve your condemnation, We are thankful that you are a God who acts with justice and mercy to redeem creation. In everlasting love, you, the God of Abraham and Sarah, chose a covenant people to bless all families of the earth. And hearing your cry, you delivered, hearing our cry, you delivered the children of Israel from the house of bondage. And loving us still, you make us heirs with Christ of the covenant. And like a mother who will not forsake her nursing child, like a father who runs to the to welcome the prodigal home. God, you are faithful still, and we praise you and thank you. Amen. 
Thank you for joining East Brentwood Presbyterian Church today for music, hope, word, and prayer. To learn more about the life and ministry of EBPC, our commitment to being a Matthew 25 congregation, or to support this ministry with a financial contribution, visit us at our website, ebpctn.org, or visit us on Facebook at East Brentwood PC, or subscribe to our YouTube channel, EBPC Videos. Mm-hmm.